This is Leafs Game Night on TSN 1050 and the Leafs Radio Network. The Leafs live here. Flip to the line and out as uh, Stanley gave Felino a bit of a shot at the end of the game. Not sure if anything more is developing there, but it doesn't appear to be because David Riddick, the backup goaltender, has come out of the walkway where the Leafs go to their def- their dressing room at uh, the uh, arena in uh, Winnipeg. And all of the rest of the Leafs are there to congratulate Jack Campbell, who comes up with his 13th victory of the season you know, I don't think these teams like each other. 4-1, the Leafs win over the Jets. This is the Ontario Subaru Dealers postgame show. There's nothing like spring showers to remind you about Subaru's all-weather drive event on now at your local Subaru dealer. Shop safely, book your appointment, and adventure on. Jim Taddy, Jim Ralph, and Kristen Shilton with you on the postgame show. Uh, Ralphie, these two games are uh, more like the playoffs than, than I think any other two games we've seen all year, and especially tonight's. It had all kinds of edge and I, I really liked how the Leafs played through a lot of situations. How about you? Yeah, and you know what? I think a lot of it was the frustration on Winnipeg's part. Uh, for whatever reason, they go into Toronto. They're 3-1-1 and in Toronto, 0-4 at home against the Leafs, or I guess 0-3-1 in the four games at home. So it's, uh, it's a little bit strange the way this has worked out when you're talking about home ice and, uh, you know, how much that's going to matter under the current settings. But... Um, you know, the Leafs responded again, and I, I think you guys were talking about it on the pregame where, you know, the last time the Leafs were sort of in this situation that somebody could catch them uh, by winning a series or sweeping a series, it was when the Leafs went into Edmonton and won three games against the Oilers in a row. So uh, you like the response. Um, Joe and I were chatting about it during the game that you do wonder, even though nobody's going to use it as an excuse, they, they make the moves at the uh, the trade deadline. They bring in Nick Foligno, but they can't have him for 10 days. And the Leafs promptly lose five in a row, and all of a sudden they get Nick Foligno in the lineup, even with Zach Hyman out of the lineup, and uh, find a way to win back-to-back games in Winnipeg. You you do wonder if there was some sort of uh, uh, you know mind test with the Leafs. Uh, like Joe said, there's some guys not knowing if they're going to be out of the lineup or not, how it's going to affect them. Um, but they seem to, from uh, going uh, through a, a period of five games where they seem distracted at times, uh, to pretty focused over the last two. Ralphie, explain something to me. Uh-oh. When the <laughs> when the Leafs <laughs> the Leafs play Ottawa and they play Vancouver and they look like it's their first day on skates, like they have no idea what's going on. They play the Jets, they play Edmonton, and you're just like, wow, this team is so together. I mean, what what is it about playing the upper echelon teams versus the the lower echelon teams? I suppose that just the such the disparity for the Leafs. I mean, what's so different about their game compared to what we saw in in Vancouver? Well, I, I think you know, even you go back to the Leaf teams in the late '90s, early 2000s. At times, they were accused of playing up to or down to the level of the competition. And uh, this, by the way, is the first game that the Leafs have won by more than two goals since that uh, that 6-1 win in Edmonton, uh, I believe it was March 3rd. So that goes to show you how even, uh, you know, you go through some games um, where you're battling and it's a one-goal difference one way or another. Um, you know, it's been that long since the Leafs have, have had a, a semi. I mean, you've got another empty net goal that plays into it, uh, but a semi-convincing victory and. 
Uh, I'll give you the numbers, Kristen, because I know you're dying for them. Against, dying. Against Ottawa, Calgary, and Vancouver, they're 14-7-3 combined. They are now 16-6-2 against Winnipeg, Edmonton, and the Montreal Canadiens. So um, I guess it's better to be that way where you say, you know, whoever you get in the postseason. And, you know, not uh, let's not uh, count out the Calgary Flames because uh, last I saw they're up 4-2 on Montreal. They, they just can, won. So they're yeah. four points back now. So they're yeah, they're so, right in it. The yeah, Leafs so, have, yeah, the Leafs have the Habs four times in 11 days. Yeah, so that'll be uh, the, the Leafs could really uh, help decide whether they're going to get Montreal or not in the opening round of the playoffs. But, um, you know, from a Leafs standpoint, it, it looks like uh, you've got enough breathing space that uh, easy for me to say breathing space that uh, uh, you should be able to finish first. This is where now you can screw around with the standings and say, okay, if they play 500 the rest of the way, what does Winnipeg have to do or Edmonton have to do uh, to surpass the Leafs for first? But um, I, I think you like it. it I don't think uh, we've seen it through the playoffs through a number of years. You don't try to pick your opponent because that's a pretty dangerous thing. Um, you might remember the Columbus Blue Jackets in August. <laughs> so, but I, but I think it is a positive that uh, there's a certain amount of confidence that we play our game. We sh- we should be able to uh, get through a best of season uh, seven series with anybody. Ralphie, let's go back to what you were talking about, the, the physical play of the Jets, um, and, and it became an issue, uh, an off-ice issue, and, and tonight it probably became an on-ice issue. I mean, for me, it looked like the Jets were trying to instigate a lot of that stuff, and the Leafs were just standing up for themselves. But I looked at that, that what Winnipeg was doing was almost, to me it admits that you, you can't beat them any other way than to get them off their game by, you know, getting involved with them after a face-off or, you know, that extracurricular stuff. I, I've never really been a fan of that because it sort of tells me the team that's doing it doesn't have much of a hope. Well, and I, I will say, though, that I was a little disappointed in Joe Thornton for taking that penalty on Ehlers, and, and I think he, he got away with one cross-check, got a new stick, and then did it again. Uh, at that point, the power plays were 4-2 for the Leafs, and you're thinking, you can't. You can't you know, gift-wrapped an opportunity for the officials to call another one. And uh, I, I, obviously he and Ehlers had something going throughout the game, and it escalated in the third period. But from Thornton's standpoint, a uh, little disappointed that a veteran guy would get yep. sucked into uh, taking that extra penalty. Now, uh, when they both went off and it was four-on-four four late, you're going, okay, that was a good veteran move. You know, take, take their goal scorer <laughs> off. Uh, we like it that way, but it. Uh, uh, what I would I would give anything to have the audio of uh, what Thornton and Ehlers were talking about in the penalty box after, because I thought, I, I don't know if if Ehlers was smiling to say I'm not listening, or if uh, Jumbo actually came up with some pretty good lines that uh, uh, would have everybody laughing. I'm betting it was the latter, just knowing <laughs> Joe. He was he was got some zingers, you just know it. Uh okay, going from the oldest guy on the team to the youngest, t- tell me your thoughts on Rasmus Sandin in this game tonight. Well, here's the worst thing. It's in the second period and he's got the puck just to the left of Jack Campbell, the leaf net. And in my mind I'm thinking, I'm gonna talk about how great Sandine has been with his pass, that one pass out of the zone. And the Leafs go the other way. And that's when he put a tape on somebody's tape for Winnipeg right at the blue line. And the Leafs are under siege for the next 45 seconds. So I thought, okay, I'm not going to mention it. But now that you ask, Kristen, that, that's the one thing I have liked about it. 
is that uh, he's always got his head up. Uh, I don't want to make a Thomas Gabberley comparison this early in his career, but but that nice tape-to-tape pass out of the zone where he's got great vision and great execution, which is something you like. Uh, you do wonder once you get into the postseason, uh, is, is there enough grit or brawn to sort of weather the, uh, the heavy play that, uh, that we see when it comes to the playoffs or not? Uh, but given the opportunity, I mean, the, the silver lining in the dark cloud of the Zach Bogosian injury is that you get Sandine some uh, some games in before the playoffs start. I think he's intriguing. That that the thing he pulled on Wheeler was was uh, really smart. Uh, Wheeler was in a, a really awkward position, but it, but a smart save by him. And you know, I just want to you know, mention him for a guy who's five eleven. I mean, this is how big defensemen are now. He's smallish at five eleven. He has to protect himself. If he can learn that, and I think he has, he could go a long way. Yeah, and it was sort of a a funny play. You can see from a Winnipeg standpoint where they were a little bit upset because it it did appear that he. He lifted up and then he left his feet, and uh, but you've got the puck, so I, you know, he starts to say, "Hey, what, what is the rule on that?" It was like Miss Marner <laughs> knocking that puck down on the bench uh, to keep to keep it from being a delay of game penalty. You're going, I don't know what the rule is on that. I don't know what the call is, but uh, you're right. Uh, he he did have the awareness to know that, uh, uh, you know, the the forecheck was coming and. Unfortunately, it was Blake Wheeler again, and, and I think that probably got Winnipeg uh, the blood boiling a little bit as well because, of course, uh, you know, Lowry goes down the game before. Wheeler's had uh, some games missed because of concussion problems. So uh, you can see how easily it would escalate. Plus, I think from a Winnipeg standpoint, the frustration. Uh, they score early. Everything should be going well, and uh, the Leafs take advantage of a couple of breaks and uh, – carry it home quite nicely. What have you seen out of Jack Campbell in these two games that you didn't see out of him in, in let's say, the previous two or three uh, games that he appeared in? Uh, it seems to be challenging a little more, where he's getting out to the top of the crease. And uh, a lot of times you can tell, or, or for me, even though the, the position has changed so much over the years, if the goaltender's shoulders, the tip of the shoulders are pointing forward, as opposed to being flat, uh, you know the guy's in better balance. And I, I know uh, you see guys start to struggle now. They try to get into the block mode, but they just try to get big, and, and those shoulders open up, and you're just trying to almost look like a table hockey goalie uh, where you're trying to be flat and take up as much room as you can. And when you're on and you're in balance, that's when you see guys actually moving towards where the puck's going and tracking it. Uh, as opposed to just simply trying to block it. And I thought uh, he did that better tonight than he did even a couple of nights ago, uh, where you saw that a lot of shots, whether it was blocker side or whatever, there was going to be nothing that was going to go through him tonight because he seemed so set, so square. And and, and the other side of that is uh, following everything into his body. And that's where the rebound control gets a lot better. And uh, you look at the overtime goal he gave up in Vancouver, He's not following the puck to his body. You see he's trying to get big and block it as opposed to just say, hey, I'm in position. The most I've got to move is four to six inches to stop the perfect shot, and I can do that. Uh, but when the confidence starts to go, you start thinking, okay, it's positioning. Uh, that's what i got to rely on. 
Yeah, I was as you were describing that. I was thinking back to that game in Montreal where Anderson just cruised over the over the blue line and, and scored on him. And, and I mean, he was right back in the goal line. And, yeah. and really, when he struggled, he was deep in his net, wasn't he? Yeah. So, 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 so I, I, would, I would challenge him. But the other thing is, yeah. Jimmer, when when you go back to that goal, he does not react to where the puck went. He's simply trying to to block it. And I think when he's on, he's more a little more on his toes. And the, the balance is a little better, and he's moving towards everything. And um, I, I know it sounds like a simple thing, but uh, when you start to struggle, usually the first thing that goes is the balance. And guys get a little too upright, and if there's a hole, uh, you just simply can't react to it. So when you look at the these first two games for Felino. I mean, it's such a small sample, obviously, and him coming off of of the seven games, or sorry, seven days in in Sudbury quarantine. But I just wonder, where do you think so far and in the next eight games, his biggest impact is going to be for this team, especially if Zach Hyman isn't able to come back? Uh, let's just say, con, you know, conservatively until the postseason. Well, I, you know, it's it's hard to tell sometimes just watching it off the TV screen. But but he uses character, you know. There's something about him on the ice that he, um, you know, you, you can see whether it's on the forecheck or the way he, he carries himself. Uh, there's something very impressive about that. And uh, even though I don't know if you could say there's been instant magic and in creating scoring chances with uh, Matthews and Marner, uh, he's pretty much the, the the prototypical guy you want to pick up going into a playoff run. Uh, which is a, a little bit of a mean streak. There's some talent there, uh, but he's going to go in and he's going to battle. And uh, I remember it, uh, once being explained to me as uh, being a foxhole guy. He's the type of guy that if uh, if you were going into battle, uh, you would definitely want him to be in the foxhole with you. And uh, that's what I've noticed so far in the back-to-back games. I think uh, uh, the conditioning will get a little bit better. Maybe the timing will get a little bit better with Matthews and Marner and. Uh, you might see a little more of the offensive side. Well, you know, he's not going to hurt you. I, th- I think that when you watch him play, that, that you're, you're confident that he's not going to do anything that's going to hurt you. There was a, a play where he was uh, having trouble controlling the puck at a blue line, and he, there was somebody on him, and he knew that if, if he – you could just see that he knew what to do. He widened his stance, took the hit, and another Leaf came by and scooped up the puck. And I thought, if that's anybody else, they may panic, turn over, and it goes in. So, I mean, he's a veteran, so he knows what to do. But there's just a, a confidence about him for obvious reasons. He's a good hockey player. You, you just don't feel there's any negotiation out there. No, and I like the fact that he's not afraid to make the simple play. Uh, he hasn't got it into his head. I'm playing with Matthews and Marner. I've got to make, I got to change my game. Uh, to keep up with them, and I got to make cute little plays, and I got to make drop passes. I, I I really like the fact that, uh, like you said, he gets into a little bit of trouble. You know what? You chip it out, you chip it in, and yeah. you go and get it. And the, uh, you know, it's it's a different version of uh, a Zach Hyman type. You yeah. know, where it's uh, you don't have a play. <laughs> well, just I'm gonna throw it into the corner and go get it myself. And and Felino does bring that to you. But uh, would, would you guys admit you can? You, he just oozes this veteran leadership character thing. When you see yeah. him on the ice, the way he carries himself, the way he interacts with uh, the opposition, uh, with his teammates on the bench, there just seems to be, um, you know, without reading too much into two games, there there just seems to be a, a connection uh, with a guy that seems to have a lot of passion for being here. 
Yeah, it's very uh, Thornton slash Spezza-esque in that way. I notice him kind of in the same way, especially in the interactions on the bench. Uh, but my one other question is about Adam Brooks. And speaking of Spets, obviously, those two playing together. Why do you think Brooks has been able to come in and, and I, I think, to my eye, be very effective? And even though Pierre Engvall, I think, has more experience at this point, is Brooks someone that you would rather have in the lineup going into the postseason in that spot as opposed to Engvall? Well, I mean, especially, you know, you get Zach Hyman back and, and you have to do some reshuffling. But, yeah, I, I think what you like about Brooks is the speed is one thing. Uh, but he's smart. Uh, he, he seems to be in the right position on the right side of the puck a lot of the time. And it's hard to believe he's got two goals in the NHL, one shorthanded, one's on the power play. And that uh, you're thinking, boy, if he can ever get going five on five. But I think that's what you like about him is that, uh, you know, he doesn't hurt you defensively. Uh, you've seen him get uh, a little bit of penalty kill time and got the shorthanded goal in Vancouver. But uh, he just seems to be a guy that knows where to go, uh, you know, based on where his line mates are. And uh, I, I don't – did he pick up a, a point on the Thornton goal? I'm not sure. I know Spezza didn't. Yes, he did. But, but yeah, just, uh, you know, just the, the constant motion. In fact, I think he was uh, – he sifted out to the right point at one point at one point, and then uh, ended up on the left point, was the guy that threw it to the net, and Thornton picked it up off the backboard. So uh, what you really like is he's not a guy that just goes in and stands still or gets tangled up with somebody. If the Leafs have the puck, uh, he's in constant motion. Uh, one more before we let you go. Uh, the Leaf power play on the Perot penalty in the second period was awesome. Unfortunately, they didn't score. But uh, what's your take on, on all the power plays you saw tonight? Oh, you just kept thinking, don't don't have this come back to bite you, especially when Winnipeg got their power plays in the third period. You're thinking, yeah. don't let it be special teams again. And uh, but it, but it seems to be that if they do have a solid power play and they do generate chances, the next one is terrible. The next one, they can't win a draw, they can't get into the zone, they can't make a pass. Uh, I did like that as the game went on, Matthews was moved over to the right side, as opposed to having him on the left point because. The one thing that the the Leafs really lack, and and Vancouver had it when you saw Vancouver's power play, they've got two guys that can one-time it from the dot. And the Leafs don't have that big shot. The Ovechkin, uh, you know, Drew Doughty, a lot of teams have, whether it's Stamkos in Tampa. uh, They've got that big shot that they can feed it to in the face-off dot. And because the Leafs don't have that weapon, I think teams are figuring out, just take away the front of the net. And, and let them pass around because they, uh, you know, that that's one thing. And they don't get a lot of shots through from the point anyway, whether it's five on five or power play. So, uh, but at least Matthews, if he's in uh, the, the right wing circle, be the left-handed shot, at least he's set up to receive a pass and one time it. And we've seen him do it a few times through his career. Ralphie, thanks very much. Appreciate it. I'll uh, text you when you're home. Okay, thank you. You're so caring. <laughs> How come you never answer the text? Anyway, thanks. Krista, <laughs> uh, just before we break, uh, you know, Ralphie said they're the point shot. I mean, the point shot used to be the central figure of any power play, and now it's pretty well non existent, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's it's almost one of those things that, you know, when we talk about like a two defenseman set on the power play, it's sort of gone that way, the way of the dodo bird almost, because mm. it's it's just not how you're utilizing your high skilled guys, right? I mean, it used to be put the point blast on the net and someone's just digging out a rebound you're trying to create something in front of the net and certainly there's a place for that you know you always talk about the net front guy being important but usually a lot of those tips are coming from guys who are on the wings like Matthews and Marner are for the Leafs and you you want those um really deceptive shots to be used as opposed to just the one timer that big point blast and sometimes it does work sometimes it goes through traffic and and it it works but for the most part you want to involve those those really skilled guys and that tends to be more below the hash marks and and you're putting shots on net from closer and then obviously you're getting uh, some of that net front uh, action from whoever is there so it's uh it's a bit of an evolution but i think it just speaks to the way that the game continues to evolve and using player skill sets uh to advantage you don't just want the matthews and marners to be standing around you uh you definitely want them to be the ones moving the puck and uh creating some of that uh that tension and that uh that ability on the power play to uh to really challenge the the kill Leafs win it by a score of 4-1 over Winnipeg. A sizable lead atop the division. Plenty to talk about. This is Leafs Game Night, TSN 1050 and the Leafs Radio Network. In over the line is Hall. Hall back for Sandine. Turned over. And don't look now. Nylander's the lone defender. Here are the Jets in over the line, and he makes a good play on Kyle Connor. Sandine. Trying to settle things down. On the wing, it goes the Leafs with a two-on-one in. It goes to Tavares. He scores! What a strange turn of events. Three odd man rushes, and the Leafs finally score. That is the TSN Turning Point, brought to you by Hockey Helps the Homeless. Assist them in their goal to shut out homelessness by visiting clc21.ca to donate. Because hockey tournament or not, the cause is bigger than the game. Jim Taddy and Kristen Shilton with you. So just sort of perusing my schedule, and I know I've got all these dates crossed out and rearranged, but uh, with the two wins over Winnipeg, uh, you know, they started the series four four points ahead. Now they're eight points ahead. Uh, you can imagine where they would be if they'd lost both those games, and, and that's what happens when you take care of business. Life gets easier. So what they have left in, in descending order, Montreal, Vancouver, Vancouver, Montreal three times, uh, Ottawa, and then Winnipeg. And obviously, I, I think the last two games would be totally meaningless. Um, and the four games against Montreal, the Habs are really going to be clawing to stay alive there in the playoff run. Uh, but really for the Leafs, they have a cushion here that uh, they could take advantage of. I'm not suggesting they, they mail it in, but they can have uh, they can do some experimenting here if they want to, and they could allow people to heal. This is a nice cushion they have. Yeah, it's it definitely is interesting what a difference, you know, just a few days can make. You think about that uh that loss in Vancouver that was just on Tuesday and suddenly the sky was falling and the wheels were coming off and and the Leafs had uh you know their backs against the wall and then these four points actually as you say give them an opportunity to kind of you know you don't want to overstate it and say write their own ticket but they can decide how to approach these games in a way that best suits them 
as an organization. So whether that is bringing different guys into the lineup, whether that's, uh, you know, trying out different line combinations or different looks on the power play or the penalty kill, uh, how much you want to use David Riddick versus Jack Campbell or Michael Hutchinson, however that's going to work. Uh, It has to be the most frustrating part of the schedule when they finish off that three-game week against Montreal, and then you have three days off, you have to play Ottawa, and then you have to go to Winnipeg. And and it's just sort of like, it's going to feel sort of like the end of games that matter, really, by the time you get to the the 8th of May against Montreal, right? And then you still have to kind of power through those last two games. But I do agree that it's a great position to be in if you're Toronto because there's no reason to um, do anything except prepare for playoffs mentally at this point, is that every game should just be a tune-up for what kind of team do we want to be in the playoffs. Okay, let's start getting ready for that now. Yeah, there's such a there's a nice gap between uh, the, the regular end and then you've got uh, Ottawa and Winnipeg, and they're both road games, but... Uh, you know, who says who plays those games? By that point, literally everybody's position could be cast in stone and they could be totally meaningless games. Certainly it's going to be meaningless for Ottawa. And you would assume that, that, that maybe Winnipeg won the last game of the season already knows where they're going to finish. So that, that's a, that's a nice luxury. So if they have eight games left, six of them matter to some form or, or another and, and two of them don't mean anything just because of the, the nature of the schedule. What I really like about what they've done here is they've answered back. You know, we've got those, uh, we went through this in great detail that the three games in Edmonton, certainly a high watermark, followed by, uh, you know, a trip to the Valley at one and six, followed by nine, oh, and one, followed by oh, three and two, followed by two really impressive wins in Winnipeg. But, you know, the, the, what I'm trying to say is the positives outweigh the negatives. There's way more in, in the positive uh, file that you could buy into to to be positive about playoff success the negative stuff is is all you could i'm not going to totally sweep it under the rug but but it's almost like it's just sort of a an evening of the playing field after a great run which which happens to everybody and so i wouldn't really harp on the negatives there's some stuff there you should note but it doesn't it's not the lead story for me anymore no i i think the to me what i take from the this game tonight especially is that when joe thornton is out there chirping and and bringing that that fire that energy that's a guy who's getting into playoff mode that's somebody who's thinking okay the this is where we start upping the intensity this is where we start thinking about not what we're doing in the regular season and being a good regular season team because they already are this is when we start thinking about okay we have and a chance here to actually have a dress rehearsal for what the postseason is going to be. So it doesn't matter who they're playing. They're going to have to play Vancouver a couple more times here, and that seems to bring out the worst in them. But it's just a different mentality now. And I think kind of Ralphie touched on it a little bit post-Nick Foligno trade. And now the other aspect is you're, the playoffs are so close you can taste it. Like it's right there. Yeah. And when you are basically, unless something goes horribly wrong, you're going to be the top seed in your division. You're going to be kind of writing your own ticket into, uh, you know, a, a great situation in the postseason, the time of year that has traditionally been the the hardest for you to get through. So when you see a guy like Thornton and Simmons as well, I should put him in this category, already start to show that intensity and that like. 
<clears throat> excuse me, there was no reason for, for Thornton necessarily to have to be so feisty, but he was. And that rubs off on guys, and guys want to see that. They want to um, be in that fight with you. And so he's already putting the seed into his teammates' minds like, hey, like we're not we're not just coasting here. We need to use these games to our advantage. And that's what I saw uh, from the Leafs tonight was uh, just tightening up and playing like this was the start of a playoff series. Yeah, just to sort of follow that, um, you know, the, I go back to the physicality from the Jets. And, and so now they know that if they do that against the Leafs, it's not going to work. I mean, they lost the game 4-1. And, you know, if the Leaf power play was effective as it should be, this is this is a blowout. You know, there's easily two power play goals there. And, and so instead of 4-1, maybe it's 5-1 or, or even 6-1. And, and that's with a team trying to get under your skin. And, and obviously they only succeeded with Thornton late in the game, but they have to know that that's not going to be effective against this team. The only way to beat this team is to outplay them. And, and you, there's no shortcut. You saw what happened to Shifley in the second period. He got benched for more than half the period because the coach didn't like his play on the Tavares 3-1 goal. I mean, that's that's a pretty damning indictment right there. Yeah, and, and it certainly is. And, you know, to say that Mark Shifley, of all people, isn't playing, you know, into your values as a team, I mean, that says a lot. And I saw another quote from uh, from Josh Morrissey saying, you know, when it comes to the Leafs, like he says, quote, they're not giving us a lot of freebies. They're blocking shots. They're coming back hard. Like that's not necessarily what we're used to hearing about the Leafs. Like they're blocking shots. They're coming back and, and they're playing hard defensively. Like, Wow. Okay, this is not the the 2019-2020 Toronto Maple Leafs. Certainly, if that's how they're being described, and this is a good team. Like Winnipeg has been the best uh, team after Toronto in this division consistently all year. So it's not as if uh, you know they're playing a, a an opponent or they're having success like that against uh, just any opponent. It's a big deal to to see them succeeding the way that they have against Winnipeg and Edmonton throughout the entire regular season. So uh, it's the physicality side of it is you're almost tired of talking about it because we've been talking about it for so long. But when it starts to actually come out organically in games, that's when you know that they've actually made progress because it it looks natural right now. It doesn't look like any kind of a show or something that they're doing because they think they should. It's just flowing naturally. And that's what's going to happen in a playoff series. It's what didn't happen in Columbus, or sorry, against Columbus in the, the qualifying round. You just saw a Leafs team that was just willing to be pushed aside. And especially when you lose three nothing in game five, like that's just, that's brutal. And there was no pushback. So to hear them now being described as a team that's coming back, that's going to keep hounding you, that's a great sign to me that this postseason could very well be different for Toronto than what we've seen lately. Well, let me throw something else at you before we break. Uh, the, the Nick Felino acquisition, I mean, he's been pretty vocal when he was in Columbus about how to beat the Leafs. And so now he's in that Leaf dressing room, and if things were to regress where the Leafs weren't doing things properly. I mean, I'm sure he would be the first guy to say, well, this is how we beat you in the past. And, I mean, he's just a great resource that way, isn't he? He absolutely is. And and what I think if you're looking at this Leafs lineup, I'm throwing out there Nick Felino, Jason Spezza, Wayne Simmons, Joe Thornton. These are four guys who all made the decision that they wanted to be 
in Toronto because they believed that they have an opportunity to chase down a dream, something that late in their careers they're still looking for. They came here for a reason. And so Felino is just the latest in a list of guys that if things start going sideways, they're going to be Jason Spezza in game four, dropping the gloves and and picking a fight because it's got to get the, the team going. Like that's a lot of energy coming from guys who know that their time is limited to accomplish what they want to accomplish. So you really have to, uh, I, I think, admire so far Felino coming in, making the speech that he did, uh, I think playing the role that he has, uh, as Ralphie described it, just being, um, you know, noticeably vocal, noticeably poised, the character that he's bringing. I mean, the Leafs have always had the talent. That's never been a problem. But let's think back to two years ago. It was a two-year anniversary yesterday of the Leafs losing Game 7 in Boston. Oh, and please. let's think back, though, to that game. I mean, <laughs> I when you're up 4-3 going into the third, Who's the guy in that room, though, Jim? That's what I'm saying. Is like, who's the guy that's pulling it together? And they didn't oh. have it. And now they've got four guys who are going to be doing that, no question, if something like that happens again. And hopefully it wouldn't be in the in the first round. If you're Toronto, you're hoping it would be, you know, maybe conference final where you're struggling in Game 7. Uh, but the, it's just not the same fabric. It's a winning culture now. You could actually say that about the Leafs. It's a winning culture because they've actually had a really strong regular season, uh, and and that's what they had set out to accomplish. Sure, I mean you know the game seven against Boston. There's three of them, and, and with the oh, game on the true. line, the most recent, the most recent. But, but but with with the game in the series on the line, you always felt that the entire roster was looking for the person to stop this from happening, and there was nobody there because they are all looking at each other. So these names that you just rattled off, these are guys that aren't going to allow that to happen. There's, there's no question about that. Boy, that's three times against Boston. <laughs> My goodness. That's... Well, no, and it, it's also the other the other factor of uh, I, I think the players can appreciate guys like Felino coming in and being willing to say, this is why I'm here. And so when yeah. when you know as a teammate that that not only does someone of that stature believe you're capable of delivering on a on a Stanley Cup, but also that you know what it means to them. And I think for the younger guys in the room, they want to help those older guys get there because you you just yeah. can't guarantee, right, that they'll get back there. Well, that was an Edmonton thing. They used to always bring in a couple of guys that, that hadn't won a Stanley Cup before, and they'd, they'd play for those guys. It's a very effective tool that you've, you've just described there, and, and it's a, like an emotional bond between everybody that they'll play for the other guys as opposed to playing for themselves. That's, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a nice point. Yeah, and I, I think you'll you'll continue to see that as as the season goes on is just uh, how important it is for um, these young guys to be around not just the winning culture, but a culture of player who has been disappointed. And the Leafs have been disappointed. The young players for four years have been disappointed in the playoffs uh, and not getting where they want to go. And when you see this could be your future in 10 years, you're still looking for it. Like, don't waste the opportunity. There's so many stories I'm sure that that Spezza and, and Felino and the rest of them can tell of of disappointment and of of not taking advantage of your opportunities. So when you look at where the Leafs are at and you're encouraged, I think, as a team to think of how well you play, 
against the better opponents in your division, um, you have to feel pretty good about the direction of your team and, and what you'd be capable of in the in the playoffs. And if you don't take advantage and if you don't come out swinging and, and really dominate, at least in the early rounds, uh, it's just it's not uh, going to be you reaching your potential. And that would just be a, a real letdown, I think, for all of these guys. Leafs win at 4-1 over Winnipeg. This is Leafs game night, TSN 1050 and the Leafs Radio Network. Kept in at the blue line. Comes back to the point. Brooks with a shot that's deflected wide. The wraparound scores! Joe Thornton is definitely getting this one, and the Leafs have tied the game at one. And this time, the 27-game goalless streak is going to officially come to the end. Nice veteran move in that play, and it tied the game at one. And uh, what about seven and a half minutes? Uh, yeah, seven and a half minutes later, Marner scored two one, and uh, from there, four one was the final score for the Leafs over the Jets. Post game now from Sheldon Keith. What are the elements of this victory you'd like to see the team take forward after what will be a well-deserved break tomorrow, I imagine? Well, there's there's a few different things. Uh, the first one is just our ability to, to bounce back and not get rattled after getting scored on on the first shot like we did again. Um, or not again, but just the game, you know, last time was we scored first and early. This time they scored first and we bounced back uh, and then don't look back from there. So that that's something just the resilience and confidence of our team to not get rattled by that and then i just really again liked the contribution all throughout the lineup four four lines six defensemen all contributing in various ways uh, for whatever the game called for whether it's you know getting enough offense to build the lead or drawing penalties uh power play penalty kill good solid defensive play throughout that third period and the second period as well so i think there, there's just a, a number of great things and, and of course i mean we, we cannot overlook how jack campbell played today as we we did have some breakdowns here at really really important times of the game where he made very big saves for us uh so it's a solid team win i guess that's the biggest one is just that it's a team win is our it's what it takes to win when it counts the most is our you know, contributions from all throughout the lineup, and we got that tonight. Next up, we'll go to Luke Fox, Sportsnet. Go ahead, Luke. Hi, Sheldon. What did you make of Rasmus Sandin's game tonight, and what gives you the confidence to use him on the power play? Well, that's part. The power play part is is a big part of his game. He's got great confidence there. Um, I've seen him from a very young age at the American League level take over a power play. So we do when we had him in the lineup, we wanted to introduce him to the power play and give him an opportunity. Um, the way the power plays were going tonight, it was tough to get him out there a whole lot. So we, you know, the one gave him the one shift with the you know with the top group. Uh, but the way he moves the puck with his confidence uh, that he has at five on five really helps us. He doesn't get rattled by much at all. He's a competitive guy, uh, so he's getting better and better every game, and that's really what you want to see with a young player. Next up, we'll go to Kevin McGrand, Toronto Star. Go ahead, Kevin. Hey, Sheldon. Hockey Night tonight reported that uh, your guys are uh, passing the hat around, I guess, basically to help out the Marlies players. I'm not sure if you knew that, but John Tavares told us tonight it was Jason Spetz's idea. Um, what does that say about your leadership group that they're uh, not just thinking of themselves but thinking of others in the organization and that sort of thing? 
Yeah, I, I don't know a great deal about it. I did hear uh, some rumblings to that effect. Um, but I think it just, first of all, speaks to the character of our group, but I think it also just speaks to the recognition of the fact, you know, through this pandemic, you know, people in all walks of life are, are going through some tough times with the hockey business as well at, at, at different levels. And if you're a guy uh, playing on an AHL contract, it's, it's uh, you know, it's a challenge. Um, and uh, to get through the to get through this period, so I don't know a whole lot about it, but uh, I'm not surprised that our players you know, have the character that they do and, and step up. Thanks. And last one here, we'll go to Mark Masters, TSN. Go ahead, Mark. Sheldon, what does it mean to the group when Joe Thornton plays with the emotion, physicality that he that he has been playing with? I just think it's a really good sign for our team that it's uh, things are different. Uh, it's a different time of year. Uh, we're really gearing up here as a group. You know, I think there's been a uh, a switch that has flipped a little bit here for Joe in the last few weeks, and uh, he's bringing more fire competitively on the ice, more fire in the dressing room, more fire on the bench, um, and just stroking such a nice balance between. Uh, energy and positivity with a uh, level of seriousness and competitiveness that uh, to me that combination is what drives winning and he's really stepped up in that regard. You mentioned Jack Campbell. He told us a couple nights ago that he feels like he's learned a lesson about not being so hard on himself and a lot of people have helped him. Did the, did the coaching staff, the team help him in that regard or have you noticed his teammates picking him up in that way? Yeah, I think everybody's helped him in that. You know, I, I had a conversation with him. It was uh, the game after we, I pulled him there in uh, in Calgary. I wanted to talk to him before he left the building and just talk to him about that. And that's part of playing every day. And, and it's a credit to him for taking, you know, responsibility and ownership and stepping up and uh, taking some heat. Um, and, but it's unnecessary because there's times he's taken it and he, and he doesn't deserve it. I mean, he's 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 played he has played excellent and had played excellent for us and didn't deserve that. Um, so I think it's just a matter of you know, giving him permission really to just you know be a little more even keel and ride that wave a little bit better uh, as, as he's playing more and uh, you know being relied upon more. I think that's that's just a big part of remaining even keel and showing confidence and resolve. We, we know how humble he is, and we know how hard he works, we know how great a teammate he is. Uh, and you know, I think his teammates helped him with that, coaching staff, training staff helped him with that. But really it's just part of the maturation process as he's growing into a new role here. Sheldon Keefe after the 4-1 win over Winnipeg. Just a thought before we break. You talked about Joe Thornton and the emotion that he's bringing, Kristen. And, and, you know, remember those names that you rhymed off, the four guys that, that asked to be here, the veteran guys, for one last shot. You know, here's what they're going to bring to the table. They know what to do, and they know when to do it. And, and that will rub off on everybody because there will be a key point in the game. And tonight it was Thornton with the emotion. Uh, another night it's going to be Felino, you know, doing a nice defensive player, doing the right thing. And, and that will just keep everybody reined in and going in the right direction you, you can't have enough of that stuff that's very important no you really can't and especially when it's coming from players who are contributing 
And it's one thing to just have a mouthpiece, somebody who's just talking, 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 but you need guys who are also at the same time valuable parts of what you're doing. And that was a bit of a, I think, an issue during that five-game skid more recently where, you know, Simmons, Thornton, those guys, they weren't necessarily putting points up on the score sheet, but as um Keith has noted a couple of times about Thornton it's just that he was he he's been ramping things up here in other ways and that doesn't go unnoticed it might not go noticed by by people who are just watching the numbers but when you're actually looking at contributions in terms of leadership in terms of uh you know whether it's down low you're engaging with guys whether it's blocking shots those are the things that uh, younger players notice. And that's what you're getting from Wayne Simmons. That's what you're getting from Thornton and Felino. And um, it's the little things, it's the the dirty jobs that they're happy to do because they know the trickle up effect that has. And, and, and they know that that makes life easier uh, on some of the more skilled players that they're opening up space, that they're getting pucks uh, to uh, to the, the highly skilled players, et cetera. So, those guys, they know, as you say, they know what to do and they know what's needed. They know what buttons to push at what time. And I go back to game four again last year with Spezza in that fight. You can't manufacture that emotion again in game five because it's not genuine. And Spezza did his job in that fourth game by getting the guys going and, and by pushing them to come back with that overtime win. But you see what happens when there's a dip the next night because who was the next veteran that was going to step up? You know, who was the next guy that was going to rein this team back in? They didn't have it. Now they've got four guys to share that load. And, you know, if you're the Leafs, you'd, you'd like to think you wouldn't need it. But you know what? Everybody needs it at some point. And now the Leafs have a lot of options in that respect. Yep, extremely well said. 4-1, the Leafs winner for Winnipeg. This is Leafs game night, TSN 1050 and the Leafs radio network. Leafs game night, Jim Taddy, Kristen Schultz. The Leafs win 4-1 in Winnipeg. Final thoughts on another victory, two in a row now. Um, I liked what uh, Coach had to say about Campbell. And, you know, one of the other secrets to success is what do you do when you don't have your A game? And for Campbell, one of the big lessons was not to shoulder the blame for things you're not responsible for. And, you know, that's that's the uh, sort of the emotional side of it. Physically, you have to figure out what you're doing wrong and correct it. And I think eventually he figured out he, was, he wasn't challenging, he wasn't in the right spot, too deep in his net, and, and he corrected that. Some of that's brought on by fatigue, but, but this is something that not only Campbell has to learn, it's, it's everybody. Yeah, you know, a good goalie coach is going to be able to fix the physical elements of your game. That's not even a question. And, of course, he would have every resource to do that with the Leafs. But for Campbell, the biggest thing was that if you constantly tell yourself that you're the reason that your team is losing games and that you're the reason why things aren't going well, I mean, of course, it's like anybody. If, if you tell yourself, you know, hey, I, you know, I'm going to do a terrible job and I'm going to let people down, it's going to come true. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So uh, I remember Austin Matthews saying after, uh, you know, the last win on Thursday, we tell Soupy, like, we win as a team, we lose as a team. And that's the attitude you have to have. Don't be a martyr. Don't be the guy who makes everybody else feel bad because you're taking all the blame. Take your share of a loss and say, hey, I could have done better here, but you know what? X, Y, and Z player, they could have done better too. And understand that that doesn't make you not a good teammate. It just makes you uh, realistic about the situation. 
And uh, for him to get the support that he has, I'm sure that it's uh, it's been a real difference maker because the Jack Campbell we've seen the last two games, uh, the the physical elements that needed to happen for him in terms of his structure uh, and his efficiency in the net have definitely been corrected. But I think they've been corrected because he has been able to kind of settle his mind down. And that really does make a big difference. Yeah, and this is a guy who's uh, I mean, was a high draft pick, great junior, uh, and then uh, the pro stuff just took so long to work out, and he was always in the B position. Uh, now he's in the A position. This is his real, first real taste in the A position, and and he stumbled, and you know, so he learned a lesson. So you know, it, it seems over the last two games he's corrected that, and and maybe he only has to learn the lesson once. That's the hope, and I don't see why anybody would think any any other way than that that he's learned his lesson and you move on. But it is uh, it's a unique situation for him. Yeah, it definitely is. And I don't think that he would have predicted that he'd be in the position that he is, the 11-0 run, the slump after that. All sorts of different things have happened for him this year, but it's a weird year as it is. So if ever there was a a season where you might find yourself in some unfamiliar territory, this is it. And And at the end of the day, despite the struggles, I mean, look at where the Leafs still are. And a big reason why they are where they are is Jack Campbell. And if he's ever lacking in confidence, he should just think of that and know that his team is is one of the best in the NHL and the best in their division because, in large part, because of how he has played. So that's got to be a really nice feather in your cap for a guy who has never had such a significant role on a team uh, in his career. Kristen, thanks. Our next Leaf game is the next Leaf game. It's Wednesday against Montreal. Our next live broadcast of a sporting event is Tuesday night, uh, the Raptors against Brooklyn. So we go Tuesday, then Wednesday, Thursday with the Leafs, on Wednesday and Thursday, and then Saturday again with the Raptors. So there's your schedule so everybody can plan their lives. <laughs> thanks for joining us on Leafs game night on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, the TSN and I at Radio Apps and the Leafs Radio Network.